Hello, Cartridge Club. Recently, Mark and I had the opportunity to interview Ian Flood, one of the programmers from Yacht Club Games, the developer behind the indie platforming gem, Shovel Knight. Here is what he had to say. Hello. Oh, should I turn on camera? Hold hey, on. Uh, it's, it's up, up to you. Up yeah, to you. We, uh, we've got ours on. It's, we won't be, hey. we'll be recording any video. It's all, my camera's pointed down because I'm on like a weird device, and so it's going to be a problem. We don't, we don't record the video anyway. It's fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Your guys' rooms are so cool. They're way cooler than mine. Ah, uh, no. No. No yeah, magic happens in my rooms. I have some NESs. <laughs> I have like a toy. Here, here. I have an Oddish. So that oh, there you go. That's all you need. I have, I have no Pokemon here. <laughs> oh, as a rule though like as a, just a rule of thumb like not yeah allowed. no they're not allowed in the yeah. house uh we used to have a bunch of pikachus <laughs> at one point the power kept going out <laughs> yeah uh, sorry about that that's no, all right all good uh so i'm sean nice to meet you this is Hi, uh I'm mark. this is my brother mark mark it's great to meet you my name's ian yeah, right on. um so, yeah so we pleasure. were it's funny we were talking just before um while we were waiting here we got together a little ahead of time and it was like, because back in high school, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to help people and <laughs> life's going to be awesome. And so mm-hmm. I'm not a doctor. I'm uh, I'm in the Navy. And here I am okay. That's online. Still yeah, still helpful, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that if you knew what I do. Yeah, I help crossword puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to add too much into it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I was like. Now I'm here online talking to somebody who makes video games for a living, which I think is really cool. So, like, did you always know you were going to be a developer? Like, no. Or were you going to uh, be a doctor, too? <laughs> no, I wanted to be an astronaut, like, for a long time. And so I guess as far as that goes, I'm, I'm, not, I'm very far from that goal. <laughs> as far as, uh, from going into space to instead staring at a glowing monitor. Those are, like, very different uh, end results. Um, but that's like, you know, when I was a kid, the um, when even just growing up, um, I had the opportunity in middle school and high school. I was like very fortunate that there was a there were some programming classes I could take even then, just like as an elective or a thing like that. Uh, in middle school, I had a, a Q basic or a quick basic class for, uh, you know, half a year that I just absolutely loved that I was working with computers after um we had a computer at home, and so I was familiar with like using it to like boot up, you know, the five games that were on it on an orange and black monitor. And I was always like very aware how I could use it at the library to look up books and like I'll know I'll know the Dewey Decimal System number of any book. Ask me, I'll go look it up. Um, and so I already like I had just a natural um, inclination. Like I had I was exposed to computers, and so I was okay with them uh, more or less. And so once I started taking programming classes, I thought, oh yeah. Great. Like, also, uh, like, I like this part a lot too. I like programming. I like staring at text for no reason, like, for 20 hours a day. Um, <laughs> and uh, and I like video games too. And like, I'm in a family of, of five kids, so uh, wow. me included in that count. And we all enjoyed video games, and we would all play different kinds. And so, like, my brother, maybe for his birthday, he got Yoshi's Cookie on Game Boy. But on my birthday, I got like Metroid 2. And so uh, because of that, you know, we we very easily swapped cartridges around. We would, you know, we would play like Bomberman on the Super Nintendo. We played through Secret of Mana as three people the whole way through on the Super Nintendo. And like 
uh, I always just assume that's how everyone played Secret of Mana, but I'm, something <laughs> no. tells me that's not how a lot of people played no. that game at the uh, time. Despite people it being wanted to play. <laughs> yes, uh, I had the Hudson multi-tap with the little B on it from oh. Super Bomberman, and so it's like, oh yeah, just make this multiplayer. This will be awesome. awesome. Um, and I was, I was. Uh, nothing can describe my disappointment as a kid when I rented Secret of Evermore and we couldn't figure out how to get the dog to be the second yes. player. Like, I can't put into words how disappointing, my, like, how dash my expectations were uh, playing that. Um, but anyway, so getting back on topic, <laughs> I, I expect. Um, the, uh, while I enjoyed video games and I enjoyed, I was getting into programming more, I never really assumed that I would actually join those two concepts. I was like just as much interested in going on to make like full-fledged applications or I was just excited to like be doing code, whether that's like reading a file or converting Celsius to Fahrenheit at the time in a console output. Yeah. Um, but uh, my friends were into modding games and like making levels uh, and like in the hammer editor for Half-Life or they were modding like Quake 2 or we had like uh, an unofficial game server where we were like making levels and like running through them as friends. Um, and so like I liked building content too. I enjoyed like the scripting systems and all that. And so at a certain point, um, I guess when choosing what I would do after high school, I went all in on video game development and uh, that's what I've continued to do since then. So wow. there's a chance that you could have made Dewey decimal system looking up apps instead of video games. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Like a, oh, like maybe a very like, yeah, serious chance. It uses <laughs> augmented reality. And when it sees any book, it like shows the number like beep, 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 beep. And like little arrows appear and you can scan it like super, uh, like Metroid prime. And oh, it like, gives you like, the Amazon book review of it. And it, like, not like, exist? Brings it up like good reads. Ting, 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 ting. Actually, that sounds really cool. Augmented reality hunter. That, that does, you know? Cool. I gotta go. I gotta go do that. <laughs> Cancel this recording quickly. Yeah. Kids are in the library with their iPhones out, and they're like, man, I definitely gotta check out uh, Fifty Shades reading. of Eden. This is amazing. Yeah. Nobody's yeah. reading any books, but they know no how exactly to look them up. That's very important. No one's opening any book, but they yeah. really enjoy cataloging them. Much uh, like uh, Pokemon Go is about cataloging Pokemon, bingo. not really combating Pokemon. Exactly. That is so true. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. awesome. So is it? Obviously, we're not developers. I uh, I'm a rocket surgeon, and he works in the hospital. So, uh, what's it like? Uh, like, is it when you're starting out? Is it like you're in a band? Because you always hear, you know, you, like you watch MTV, uh, like behind the scenes. Or we have much music up here, and they're always oh, yeah. like, you know, when you're in a band, you got to start out, and you're playing gigs and dingy bars and stuff. So, <laughs> is like that's we see those stories. We see sports stories. You know what I mean? How I started out uh, a troubled kid in, in the urban city center, <laughs> and now I'm the starting quarterback for insert team here. Um, mm -hmm. So what's it like as a developer? You know what I mean? You're so you you leave high school and you're like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make games, and the Dewey Decimal System is gonna have to sort itself out. Fun fact: they don't <laughs> even use the Dewey Decimal System anymore. So you like that? Everything everything played out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So did you have to start uh, out say, like making making Garage Band games, like not actual I Garage mean, Band? <laughs> once I graduated and I had a little bit of just formal education behind the idea, I um, I was very fortunate to um, be hired by WayForward Technologies. That's in California, up in Valencia. They make such games as Contra 4 or Shantae. And uh, I'm sure if you're listening, you might be familiar with some of their output. Um, and so uh, the great part about working at WayForward is they work on lots of different titles um, because of the nature of how they 
uh, the types of things they do. And so for like one, you know, for nine months, I might be working on like a beat 'em up brawler, which I absolutely adore. Or and then like nine months after that, I'm working on like a sports themed mini game collection, which maybe <laughs> like maybe takes me a little while to soak in, but I still enjoy that I get to like work with Wii controls or learn motion controls or like brush up on my 3D a little bit more or something like that. Um, and because of that, I got to experience a lot of different team types and a lot of different configurations and a lot of different games that needed to be like completed. Like it's not just a certain point where it's like, ah, like, nah, like, I don't like that one. Let's do another game. Um, it's like everyone's working to to make these games the best that they can be. And so learning the that kind of discipline for like what it means to ship a game or what it means to uh, to make sure a feature is as good as it can be given like the constraints around it. That's like all important stuff. Um, and a lot of us came from, uh, worked together there at WayForward on different projects in different configurations, like Double Dragon Neon, Blood Rain Betrayal, things like that. Um, and it wasn't until we worked together all on Double Dragon Neon that we realized we had a good development style that was working well for us. Um, we would pitch ideas to one another and build upon those ideas and the ones that were the funniest or seemed like the best additions we would like actually put in the game. And that's something that we've carried on to Shovel Knight. Um, and that's what makes all the weird, crazy features and, and bosses and enemies all come together. Um, is there, is there funny stuff in Shovel Knight? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't call it funny. It's more of a dry humor. You know, oh, <laughs> very played straight. But um, yeah, just like uh, just that level of like brainstorming and idea building. Although even on the move to Shovel Knight, since that's like starting a new company, that's all of us facing uncertainty that we don't really know what's going to happen with this big idea we have. Um, I mean, we were all working out of Sean's apartment for multiple months especially like, I mean, we didn't have any money. This was like during the Kickstarter, even after and before. Um, and so it was just like five of us piled in there with like a bunch of tables. And, and it's like, oh, we have to go to PAX. Like it's our first time ever going to PAX East. And so we had like all of our luggage there. And like we were up since like 2 a.m. making changes to the build. And I remember like at three or four in the morning, I just wanted to make more coffee to get on the, uh, before we had to get on the shuttle to go to the plane, uh, like the airport. And uh, Sean's sink started backing up and just shooting out coffee grounds and just like a soupy black mix of like the past week of what I've been drinking. And I'm like, hey, your, your sink's going the wrong way. And uh, he's like, there's no time. Like, it doesn't matter. But, like, the shuttle's here. We have, to go. we have to go. And it's like, okay. And it's just like a soapy mess of, of, of like, half-bitten coffee beans just floating there. And so I would say that's probably, like, definitely a glamorous moment in, like, everything. That's awesome. Meanwhile, you know, we get to PAX, and, like, our room is super small, and we only have, like, one bed. And so it's like one person gets the bed, or two people get the bed, and then, like, three of us are sitting on the ground in different <laughs> rotations. And you have to, like, step over another person to get to the restroom. And it's like, it's all going to be worth it. Like, it, hopefully people can just play the game, and they'll enjoy it. And that'll be, like, really good. Um, and so there's a lot of moments like that, which I guess isn't too unlike... Um, any sports or yeah, fair enough. music drama. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I love it. So you guys are, you're all working together. You're at way forward. Everything's going good. What was it? What was the conversation that you had that you realized we can, we can do this. We can go on our own. What made you take that step? And what was that conversation? Like who, who was it that first said, let's do it. You know, let's take the plunge. I mean, we were working on some games on the weekend. Um, we had like an idea that we were trying to put together just as a, a way to, um, sort of vent creatively creatively on like something else or a different type of project but we didn't really like where it was going and after double dragon we uh 
we were so excited with what we were making and the team structure that we did try to reach out and ask them, uh, just like management at the time, like, hey, uh, it's like, I know usually teams get shuffled around. We would like to like to work towards the idea of this team sort of being like stuck together and, you know, we could keep working on similar projects or different projects or whatever, but just keeping this like core team going. Be like and, uh, forward's version of Clover. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, something like that. I mean, a lot of different teams, uh, like studios, have different assemblies of people like that. Uh, it's like, you know, the team that always does this or that or the other thing. Right, right. Um, for them, though, and this makes perfect sense, like, um, since the types of projects can really vary, it's important that they have the ability to put people on projects that need it. And that doesn't, uh, and sometimes that means, like, you know, you would have to break up that assembly of people. It's like if a big project comes in or 12 small projects come in, that's like a very exaggerated number. A, a few <laughs> small projects come in, then it's important that you can remain agile and account for them. And if we're all like, if we all worked on like a billion games together, that's also an exaggerated number. Um, then, uh, the, uh, and then we just kept that experience all internal within our group and no one knew ever came onto that group, then we wouldn't be passing that info on to anyone. But if we yeah. were working in different assemblies of teams with different people, then we could help all uh, everyone improve. And all that makes sense. And that's like totally like, I understand why they would push for that. Um, yeah. And for us, just like the combination of uh, really wanting to keep that going and like sort of also frustration with things like, um, like we worked under, uh, as a work for hire company on a work for hire type project, you usually work with a publisher and the publishing style is usually such that the developer finishes the game or like the developer pitches the game, makes it, finishes it, hands it off. And then it's up to the publisher to do whatever they want with it. That includes like marketing, like post-release support and all that stuff. And after a few times around on that, um, we were a little frustrated with how they would market the game or we were frustrated with that they wouldn't just release like a new patch two months after release that addresses a problem that we see as like a critical oversight or like this, that, and the other thing. And so a big focus for us when doing this is also that we wanted control over mm -hmm. how we present the game, how we um, update it, how we let people know about it and all that. So all those things kind of combined into what seemed like a really good idea at the time. And I, I suppose uh, it's proven to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, in hindsight. hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how do you tell you, like, how do you call your family and say, hey, listen, I got this great job at WayForward. I'm like their go-to guy for beat-em-ups or Dewey Desmal apps. And, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to leave and I'm going to start my own company and I might be broke tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I would say I definitely wasn't the go-to anyone. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, but it, I, I do like the alternate reality where I like lie to my parents about it. It's like, no, no, I'm like the big cheese there. You have yeah, like, yeah. no, I, no game goes out without me touching some of the things. <laughs> right. um, and they're like, oh, okay, that seems like maybe you're making stuff up. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, no, I do remember uh, the deciding of it. I, I told my dad, it's like, hey, I'm turning down like this project and I'm going to quit the company. And uh, his response was just, oh, why? <laughs> and that was it. It was like, why? And um, and then I tried to explain everything. And I remember explaining to him um, how crowd, like what we were doing with crowdfunding and things like that. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, I think I get it. I think I get it. And then like a week and a half later, we're still like putting together everything, like shooting the videos and the trailer. And he's like, hey, how's it going? Is your begging site up yet? Or is that up <laughs> And that was like, that was not meant to be like pointed or mean or anything like that. Yeah. It's just like, 
he was downloading that information. He like compressed. He's like, oh yeah, okay. So he's gonna panhandle for money. Okay, okay, got it, got it. <laughs> That's awesome. It sounds like your dad might also be our father. <laughs> That's crazy. He's a part of the Universal Father Network. Yes. Yeah, he definitely is. Yeah, I hope to to one day have that level of. Uh, understanding with my children <laughs> no they've yeah. been really very supportive i mean i've gotten uh i get calls like once a week to like talk about whatever cool thing we're announcing over here um so yeah they've uh it's been That's great having them their neighbors and friends are pumping them for information on the next dlc <laughs> That's true. yeah man that explains so much <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's crazy so so you guys are like so we we started a, a community online Four years ago now, I think it was, and one of the one of the biggest challenges we had was it started out as a, a like a book club for gamers. So we were like, let's pick a game, invite everybody to play it, have them on to hear about it, and then talk about it afterwards in a podcast. And Mark oh, that and sounds I were like, great! Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, I just want to say I love that idea. Just the um, there's like so many games out there, and there's so many ways to play them. Even if it's like, hey, I want to like start playing Game Boy Advance Fire Emblem. Where do I start? Just like ideas like that. And so anything that focuses everyone to kind of have the same experience and to be able to talk about it and focus it in, um, like I'm really into just that, that kind of discussion, that kind of like look back at games like that. So uh, yeah. sorry, please continue. No, thank That's you awesome. very much. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah. So one of the one of the things which first we were like, what if nobody like even knows this exists how do we spread that word how do we get that out there and so slowly through word of mouth we've been able to grow organically but you you start a kickstarter you've got a game that you want to make you obviously i assume you have rent or unless you're all living in sean's house you know in the the think tank (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so you need uh what is it it's called the incubator on uh silicon valley (laughs) oh yeah yeah Um, so yeah you need uh you need to get that word out there how do you like, because none of you guys are marketing guys, right? You're, you're yeah, artists, we have no, developers. Yeah, we had no prior marketing experience. We only knew how we know about games, and we know about um, how games that we've made in the past were marketed. Um, and so that gives us a little bit more insight than just, uh, like, it's my first day kind of a thing. But um, I would say marketing is, like, especially now, even even for a game that's been out for multiple years, we're releasing this new update, like Spectre of Torment is coming out um, on switch tomorrow and is coming out yeah. everywhere in April. And so, uh, we're constantly talking about how we can let people know about this game or this update or this campaign or this feature. Um, that's like, that's been a very, it's a learning process for us, but it's one that like we tackle very seriously every time. Um, the, like I said, we went to PAX during the first month of the Kickstarter, like one weekend. Uh, and, um, the game really didn't feel like anyone knew about it until then. Um, just because you couldn't play it. It was just like a video on a site somewhere. And it was like, no matter how much like we would yell, it's like can only reach so many people. But having it there with a controller that was actually running on a TV and having people play it and like share what they like about it or like their thoughts on it really helped reinforce that what we were doing could uh, could be done. Um, yeah. And since then, we've just been trying to balance that and try to uh, keep like spreading the good word or just like letting people know about it. You uh you hit four times it was four times your 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 requested goal on Kickstarter like yeah you wake up in the morning that. and just shit your pants like oh my god <laughs> we got four times what we want we hit every stretch goal uh, <laughs> it would definitely like I mean I had my phone screen like lit up the entire month that just had <laughs> refreshing just of I course. mean the first 
like I said, the first week, nothing was happening. We didn't have any, oh like, gosh. there were there were some people that were interested and that were, like, helping spread the word, and I'm very thankful for it. But it didn't seem like, uh, it didn't seem like anything had really taken hold yet as just a solid idea. It could really be, like, a maybe, maybe not sort of idea. Um, but uh, a week after PAX or however it was, like, things started getting real momentum. Um, it felt like when we were putting out updates, like, people were responsive to it and people were, like, discussing it with us. And so... Uh, that was really the turning point of a lot of things for it. That's awesome. Yeah, it was definitely probably the first successful campaign on Kickstarter that made me look at Kickstarter. Like you guys were the the success story, I think, in my in my in my mind. Um, but yeah, at what point did you? Because you guys are just a small little independent company. How did you get the eye of a big company like Nintendo? Did you guys tap into some old contacts from way forward or something or any backdoor deals that we don't know about? <laughs> uh, I mean, if, if you knew about them, they wouldn't be really great backdoor deals, right? <laughs> That's true. Would, like, really, really dropped the ball. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, no, the reason we contacted Nintendo, it was, it was, again, before PAX, it was during the Kickstarter. We were printing, like, you know, cards that had the game on it and banners with, like, a character art on it just to, like, help people know what the game is. And we wanted to put the Wii U and 3DS logos on it, and we wanted to say, hey, it's coming out on Wii U and 3DS. Um, and we were afraid that we weren't allowed to or that, like, whatever we were doing was, like, the wrong way of going about it. And so um, we contacted uh, Dan Edelman, who was the Wii, the WiiWare. Uh, he was, like, a, um, a big advocate. Um, it was a sorry, an employee of Nintendo, and he was a big part of, like, the WiiWare eShop push and all that. And so he was, like, the digital content guy at Nintendo. And so we just like, hey, is it okay if we say the game is going to come out on the, the systems, or is that all right? And so, like, he was the one who, like, it's like, no, you need to, like, sign up for a developer account. You need to, like, go through these steps and all that. Oh, wow. um, and so once we got that, it was good. The original banner that we printed, or the banners that we did use, we got, like, black masking tape and put it over the banner. Just put them over the logos just in case. Just in case we got an email saying, <laughs> like, awesome. oh, Shovel Knight never on 3DS ever, ever. And it's like, no, 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 no. Um, but thankfully, um, we did get a turnaround and, like, a response saying, like, yeah, yeah, you can, like, move forward and, like, you know, you have to go through the steps and fill out all this paperwork and all that. Um, and since then, we've just been trying to be responsive, I guess. Um, like, Shovel Knight's development is always open for us. We're, we're like, working on these features or we're, like, working on the game. And if there's a feature that makes sense on the system, like Street Pass or Miiverse or something like that, um, that's something that, like, I personally enjoy figuring out. Whenever it's like a new Nintendo specific feature or any platform specific feature, like we want it to be at home on that system. So we want to like think through it. Um, and so sometimes like that could be a feature like uh, just on the system or that could be like a really big thing like the Shovel Knight Amiibo. But yeah, all of yeah. that is uh, it's just like just trying to be responsive and trying to be uh, like agile in that way. That's crazy. So That's from crazy. printing banners to printing money essentially shovel knight the uh <laughs> the coffee grinds to wish, his story <laughs> i didn't realize if we were printing money i need to figure out where that's happening because we definitely, <laughs> definitely should be keeping count of that i mean strictly for tax tax purposes at exactly, least. Of course. exactly of course <laughs> uh, I, I, awesome. yeah I, I hope i hope that what we're doing is like fun and surprising to follow and whether it's playing the game or seeing what's what's coming in the game i hope it's oh, been awesome. like a fun adventure kind of a thing oh yeah it's awesome. Amazing. It's definitely great. Yeah. How did you, so, because you ask for like 75 grand, you know what I mean? Is it just, mm -hmm. is Norman Reedus just that expensive that, you, <laughs> like, how did, how can you put together 
a product that is so refined for so little of an ask. Like, surely you will. Well, thank. No, go ahead. Thankfully, uh, we we got three hundred fifty thousand because it was it yeah. was uh, as you said multiple times over our goal of seventy five thousand, and at the seventy five thousand goal, I think we would have delivered a much more um, restrained game in a lot of ways. Like uh, the level map has all these side areas, and there's like these features in these towns and things like that. Um, at a different budget, I think we would have had a much more straightforward game. And would have tried to like work within those confines just because there's a certain point where like we can't live anymore. Um, <laughs> and so a, a big goal on Shovel Knight has been to expand the game to meet the level of support that it's getting. And so this happened during the Kickstarter with like all of these stretch goals. Um, but like uh, the Plague of Shadows update came out and uh, you know, officially that stretch goal was about uh, 15,000 or like 30,000 like tier up from the other one. Yeah. And, uh, but that was like a feature that we worked on for a year, which is essentially like a million dollars of our time and like our development time. I mean, that doesn't mean like we put a million dollars in a pot and conjured it until it became Plague Night, but it means like just to stay open and work on that rather than something else or like just to keep working on that content that that is like uh, a cost for us. Um, and so that wouldn't have been possible, obviously, if we were working under those same budgets, but we were using the support that Shovel Knight got post-release to work on Plague Knight. And we're still work using that to work on, uh, to make Spectre Knight a really big deal, and we will do to make King Knight a really big deal. Spectre of Torment, um, that's like the newest update, that has entirely new music for all the stages. That's like new stage designs, new enemies and objects, and we even like, all the bosses have new attacks and abilities. Like we wanted... We're trying to uh, take the feedback from Plague Knight, which is, oh, it's like it's cool, but it's a little like I want to play through new levels or like I'm tired of seeing like this boss who only does this kind of a thing. And so this is like a very uh, focused effort in trying to make that uh, feel really new for all types of players. Like it's really its own game, like a brand new game. Yeah, there are so many games that are way worse quality, couldn't manage to release anything for 350,000 and you guys are still releasing more. <laughs> For well, free. we didn't. Uh, to be fair, we we ran out of the money. <laughs> we ran out of the money months before too. So we're uh, oh, we're guilty it. also. Um, we we ran on fumes for a few months, or uh, depending on the each person's predicament. But I was fortunate enough that I was drawing from savings for like the past you know six or seven months of development. We had to, like the game we were aiming for September, and we delayed it. We delayed it, knowing that we didn't have like additional money to pay ourselves to even work on it. But that was something that um, we all like talked about and like we made the plunge on just to like, it's like, well, it, it like uh, at one point, at one point someone asked like, how's it going? And I forget who it was, it responded. I think it was me. I said like, everything's getting worse, but Shovel Knight. Like, <laughs> it's like uh, every, like life's not doing like super great. I haven't like been back with my family in like a long time. And it's like, you know, all in all, like not super hot, but Shovel Knight's looking better every day. Like the game's getting better every day. Like everything's good. Everything's good. And it's, it, shows. it shows. When do you? When it's do you an get uplifting break? story. It, it's definitely <laughs> it is. It's uh, it's inspiring for anybody who wants to be a programmer. Uh, no time with your family. No vacations. No breaks. And when the game is done and a huge success, you got to go online and talk to a bunch of assholes you don't know. Maybe at that point, it's not too. It's maybe it's not too different from going into space. Yeah, yeah. Like, there you go. You're you're kind of just jettisoned out there for a long time, and you get to hear about what's happening, but like your influence on it is like very very limited. Yeah, that's one of the that's same, right. I think. Yeah. 
when uh, when do you get a break? Because you're done right now with Spectre Night. You're obviously probably going to start up King Night at uh, some point, you know, a couple of months down the road maybe, or maybe next week, who knows. Um, well, you know, you it's want, funny you because tell us. You, say, you say done with Spectre Night, but I would say nowhere near done with Spectre Night. Like, that's the fun part. Oh, really? That's the coolest part about making video games. Um, uh, since we're only a team of, like, half a dozen or a dozen people or so, Spectre Night's done in terms of, like, gameplay content, but now I need to enter, like, achievement names like at least 30 times in like in 30 different forms of paperwork and like websites and things like that. So that like achievements unlock on all these different systems. Then I need to uh, like fill out paperwork for like how many players can play this game? What's the new features? What's the new stuff? What version number has this changed to? And also we need to like test and bug fix on all these platforms and all these languages. So like the Switch version is coming out tomorrow and that's like, it's great to have that like relief of okay that's like it's on its way it's like going to reach the reach everyone and i really hope there's like nothing like we i really hope we didn't miss anything um <laughs> but uh now it's like we're turning our attention to the wii u and the 3ds version the ps4 the ps3 version like the disc european japanese like these are all different skews of the game that need to be tested individually and so that's a pretty that has a lot of dimensions of things we need to like account for and test um, and that's what like our next month of our lives is looking like for us. Wow. And so it's always funny because like I, you know, when I do return back home to see family or something like that, they're like, what have you been doing now that your game's out? Just like taking it easy. Right. And it's like, <laughs> no, I get like, I get like 200 support emails a day and we respond to all of them, like in less than 24 hours. And like, I've currently like responded to like every message on Twitter. Oh, here's one right now. Somebody wants to know like this, this or that. Um, and so we try to remain active like that, but that means that there is like a little precious few moments for breaks. Um, so, yeah. In the larger scheme of things though, I mean, we do want to move on to King Knight and like we want to finish Shovel Knight this year, just in terms of like additional content and updates. I'm sure that would be like a huge relief to everyone, even players. I'm sure even players would love to hear like, oh good, thank God, like nothing else is happening to that game. Like <laughs> it's good, like it's fine. You guys like just stop touching it. Um, <laughs> but uh, also we were thinking about um, you know, beginning pre-production on what our next game would be, probably something outside of the Shovel Knight world or uh, something that's like a new genre or something that kind of shows like a different type of game that we'd be interested in making. Know. What you game know, do you think we should make? What do you think? What would be uh, the coolest game? Turn-based RPG. Yes. All yes. right. <laughs> yeah. in what, well, in what, uh, in what vein? Like a Final Fantasy, a Dragon Quest, a like there's a lot of different blends of turn-based yeah, RPGs. Yeah, give me like a Final Fantasy with an active time battle system. Um, okay, ATP. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Final Fantasy 2 ish style like that style of combat. Um <laughs> and uh you definitely stay I, I think you should guys should stay with sprites, but I'm completely biased. Um yeah. I, I mean I think I think we would probably make another we would probably stay in pixels for a bit just because nice. we're familiar with the workflow. But we are thinking about what a push to 3D would be like for the company, because that's something we need like a lot of lead up time for, just in terms of new specialties, learning new things, getting more pipe uh, piping and tool chain set up and all that. Um, so yeah, that's probably what I would. That's that's what we've been thinking about. Yeah. yeah. We're not, so we're not going to get Shovel Knight 64 then. Uh, I mean, that's still the dream. That's still like the absolute dream we'd all love to deliver on. But uh, probably not next, I would say. <laughs> awesome. Maybe after. What was it? Because uh, you you sort of mentioned there, you know, you got to do achievements for three different systems. And who? what was it like uh, doing the 
the special features for each different mode. So each different uh, company. You get the Battletoads on Xbox. You got Kratos on on. Uh, I mean, those were those were a lot of fun because typically when you're when you're doing a port like that, um, just bringing it over to that platform, a lot of it's very dry. It's like, oh yeah, I need to make sure the controller works. I need to make sure like their version of this is handled. Um, and so doing something that was very gameplay uh, was very very was like really appealing to us. Um, especially like we were, uh, rather than working on all this at once and releasing it all on the same Tuesday, we were like, we focused on doing the Sony version. Then we were able to like breathe for a second and focus on doing like the Battletoads for my Xbox one. And that level of focus, I think really like works well for our team. It's like, we, we design the idea, like everyone's excited to do it. We pixel it, we put it in, we play it. And it's like fun. It's like a real cool, like fun experience. It's a, uh, it's funny, especially because all this content came out like uh, last year, the year before. I forget. Time is time is a fiction at this point. <laughs> but um, we uh, like we were all involved with putting these features together. And now that we're releasing this update, we're bringing co-op to all these platforms. Um, wow. Now co-op is available not just on Wii U. It's on Switch. It's on PS3. It's on PS4, which I'm really happy about. Like that's I'm so excited for that. But this also means we need to go through all that content and make sure it works again in co-op. It's like Kratos Battle needs to be playable. Like every two players having the toad armor like needs to work and function properly. Wow. And so being able to open this content again and then check it out and see that it like it not only like is fun and still there, but also that adding this feature that's completely unrelated to it also improves this feature is like a very satisfying feature, like a, a satisfying idea. It's like, oh yeah, the game is getting better like on all fronts and everything connects in different ways. And that's like really fun. That's really cool. Did you guys, so did you come up with the idea or did like, do they approach you? Cause you're like the prettiest girl at the prom now. I mean, uh, anybody who's not playing uh, Shovel Knight or doesn't want to play Shovel Knight, you're crazy. Um, so does Microsoft come to you and say, hey, listen, we, we need to have this on Xbox One. We're falling behind everybody else. You got to come save us. You got to dig us <laughs> wow, out of this a hole. Surprisingly humble uh, Microsoft <laughs> interpretation. The, um, the, uh, I wouldn't say it was like that. It wasn't a, uh, like, wow, everyone just like keeps calling us. They all like want video games. The idea of having the game on different platforms was something that we spearheaded internally. Um, we knew, like, we knew that um, once it was out on, the initial launch platforms, the best thing we could do was to get it on more platforms to more people. Like we think the game is fairly platform agnostic in that regard. And so we wanted to uh, have the game appear wherever is most comfortable for somebody. And um, so we contacted Microsoft and, um, you know, we wanted to make sure, uh, I guess we were really excited to do something that could only be done on that platform. Like that was what with the spearhead of Meverse and Street Pass and stereoscopic 3D and all that. Like we want to make the most out of it. And so on Microsoft, there wasn't really like obviously that's like not a place where there's like a weird feature like that that you can just kind of right. you know, think through. And so we had uh, a, like a big inspiring point for us was all the craziness that happened involving Soul Calibur 2 on GameCube, PS2, and Xbox. And like for for listeners at home, if you don't, uh, if you weren't there around the amazing period of Soul Calibur 2, first off, you should play it. That's a great game. But second, um, on GameCube, you could play as Link, and on PS2, Heihachi was there, and on Xbox, uh, not Spawn, but a new character designed by the same creator, um, Necro. It wasn't Spawn. I thought it was Spawn. All this. I don't time. think it was Spawn. I think it was <laughs> it was by uh, Todd McFarlane. Like he designed the character, but the character had like energy that he could form into different weapons, 
Right. And so maybe that's Spawn-esque. Um, Spawnish, Spawnish, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, these were like these were like three distinct personalities and characters that just like showed up. And and if you're like, why isn't Link on PS2? You're like, oh well, okay, you know that makes sense. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, get, I guess I get it. <laughs> yeah. And so we wanted to. Uh, that was like something that we would love to. We wanted to like recreate that sort of feeling of it. it's like oh a bonus feature and it's it's only here and okay, it makes sense why it's only here. Like, I get it, I get it. And so uh, that's kind of what we wanted to spearhead. Did awesome. you get to design Kratos and, and like, the Battletoads? Because, I mean, they're obviously, everybody knows the Battletoads, right? So do they hand you a box and, you know, here's the Battletoads, you can use this artwork, or do you guys get to do your own? Uh, no, no, we, uh, I mean, on, on both fronts, we once we knew it was something we were moving forward with, we, uh, we treated them like any other like new idea going into the game. And so this meant drawing the characters in the Shovel Knight art style. Um, like we did a lot of different interpretations of Kratos just to like to work through the designs. Like whether he has like, we I think reflected it, uh, his like stature by having more hunched over. Um, the, we do the same thing with like a lot of characters. If like if they're supposed to have a more like imposing stature, we can't just make him like eight shovel knights tall, right? He can't be like <laughs> a huge he-man that's just like you know <laughs> super imposing. Um, so we try to like hunch them over a little bit so yeah. they still have that power but bundled up in a smaller sprite. And so like that was a thing that was like already in process during the concept phase. Um, as well as like small like details and things like that. Like, well, what Kratos is this? Like, where where does it exist in the timeline? If like if that's a different like if Kratos goes through a transformation like that, what would it be? Um, and likewise for the Battle Toads, like how it's interpreted in this world and how it looks and how they look standing next to Shovel Knight. And so just like any other feature of the game, it's like concept, which goes to pixel model, which uh, then informs the concept backwards. So then it appears in the illustration, and then it goes into full animation and a gameplay feature, and we go from there. Very cool. Uh, so last August, Shovel Knight was actually the game of the month for our club. Oh, and wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, We uh, we reached out to, to Shannon at that point, but uh, you guys were deep into Spectre Knight territory. So, um, Sorry. Uh, Sorry we couldn't uh, make the appointment. No, no it's no, all good, man. No. I, was, I was like, we understand. How great would it be able to be, have one of them on the show so they can everybody can tell them how amazing <laughs> this game is? Because I'm certain they don't hear it daily. <laughs> no no i i mean uh that that's like something that i won't ever think is like played out i mean if you're if you enjoy the game enough to tell us about it i really do appreciate that so thank you yeah no you're welcome thank you because it was a great experience i think it was one of the most uh interactive months we've had the most uh yeah. motion mo movement on the forums uh most people oh, cool. uh asking to be on the podcast the, the <laughs> number one question that came out from most of us the the dancing Whose idea yeah. was it to put dancing in? <laughs> that's a that's a good question. I don't know. It just it seems like it belongs there so strongly. It does. It's hard to, it's hard to imagine that it was ever not an idea, right? Um, I mean, I think I want to say the inspiration was from Link's Awakening. The uh, that features a fish. Uh, I forget his name. Dang it. It'd really help if I had his name, but there's a scene where a, in, in the 2D, like Zelda Link's Awakening has top down and it has like the amazing 2D modes that you just like swip, yeah, switch yeah. between at the top of a hat. Um, man, that was so good. Link's Awakening is really good. What were we talking about? Oh, wait, there's a fish. And, uh, you, you talk to the fish in the 2D mode and he's and like in order to advance the plot and like the game and he just shows you this dance as like something you just have to like sit there and watch. And it's like it's it's. Um, 
it's not very intricate. They mostly just like flip back and forth to like a beat of a music to like a very like nice Game Boy tune and yeah. you continue on your way. And I think they even do this again in seasons. Like you watch the Gorons, uh, the Gorons dance as well. And so um, I guess uh, that really stuck out to us and it was something we wanted to try and recreate. Um, <laughs> and just in general, like we have a game where we try to be sort of restrained in terms of animations and frames. Like uh, our initial like King Knight boss set animation was like way too elaborate. He had like so much follow through on his cape and his attack was like, you know, 20 frames like this and he was too detailed. Um, and so we ended up like pulling details out just to make it feel more in line with like what you'd expect as a player. But at dance, we can embellish and there's no, uh, and no one can cry foul of that. Like if a character has like a ridiculous, like why does that character have a 20 frames twirl? It's like, because you're watching a dance, like the purpose is dance. to watch it and to enjoy <laughs> it. And so like the motion is like part of the joy of what you're looking at. The music is like part of the joy of it. And so it was kind of a, in a way, it was like a way to focus that level of embellishment in a scenario we couldn't normally do. Um, I remember when the Tropical King dance first went in and we sent the game out to a few friends and family just to play it. Um, a few people, like the most uniform feedback was, how come I can't leave while the fish is dancing? Like, how come, <laughs> how come, like, hey, you guys, it's a cool game and everything. And it's like, and it crashes on level three, which is like weird, you should fix that. But also if the, if the, the Apple thing is dancing, I just want to hold left and I want to leave. Like, let me leave. I don't want to watch that. And we looked thing. at it like, and we said like, we're not changing that. Like, we yeah, will no. not change that. That is like 100% intentional. And someone's like, well, maybe if you press start, it skips. And it's like, no, we are not changing that. That's like, that's, that's awesome. part of like the entire experience. And uh, and so like, we don't want to waste the player's time intentionally. Like, hey, wait for 10 minutes while like a, a drawbridge opens in front of you. But like, I don't think enjoying a dance or like a spectacle like that is wasting time. That's like, that's a uh, something we wanted to present as like a fun thing. I'm happy to say like uh, Plague Knight also featured some dancing and Spectre of Torment. While uh, Spectre Knight himself isn't a super big fan of dancing, it does feature um, two dance numbers. Awesome. So, nice. If you're excited, oh. uh, I hope you're excited. Nice. I, oh, I'm excited, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how... <laughs> It's a completely different game. Plague, like, you go and buy Shovel Knight for the Wii U, and you've got Plague Knight on there. You've got the Shovel Knight levels. But the Plague Knight, it's not just a reskin. It's It feels like an entirely different game. It's crazy how... I don't have a question here. I'm just saying it's awesome. <laughs> That's great to hear. I mean, that was, that was a big focus. We wanted... Like the games to beat when we were thinking about campaigns like four years ago was, uh, was uh, Castlevania post-Symphony of the Night. It's or something that onwards like Richter mode, Julius mode, 1999 mode, where you could play through those characters like, hey, I'm Albus and I can teleport and shoot a gun in Ecclesia. Yeehaw, like pow, pow, pow. <laughs> um, and those were cool. But when we played it, it's like they sort of felt like bonus modes. It's like no one talks to this character. It doesn't have like he's not rooted in the world. And it seems like he just has free run of the castle and just does what he wants. And so if you like if you really wanted to squeeze more game out of it, they were cool as a bonus mode. But uh, like thematically it didn't really tie together and it didn't really feel like a ramped intentional thing um the other one was Mega Man powered up on the psp i don't know if you guys played that one yeah, um yeah. that 
Oh, great, great. That one's fantastic. I mean, uh, when you beat the game as Mega Man, if you beat any boss with only your buster, I think the conditions were, you can play as that boss through the entire game. Yeah. And so it's like, it's an alternate story where like Mega Man is among one of the robots that goes haywire and like only Guts Man can step in and set things right. And awesome. uh, and so you play as him and, and it was cool, but it was like, wait, is the game really asking me to play as like eight of these characters through like essentially the same <laughs> game? Like there's a few tiles changed here and there so the character can work and like, oh yeah, like Iceman can like shoot a block and stand on it or that, but it's like, not really changing the game in like a really big way. So uh, we wanted to do a little bit more with Plague Knight, which is the idea of like tying it in the story, making sure like taking every facet of Shovel Knight and mirroring it like on the level map in terms of like your expectations and what you would do there. It's like he can't go into the village, but he has like a secret underground lair. Uh, yeah. Shovel Knight is a character that's very steady going and like very even paced and you can keep that pace up by like plotting your course plague knight is like very erratic and he bursts around at the drop of a hat and he has like a lot of fiddly knobs in terms of like what weapons he has and what skills he uses um and so we approached all of that trying to just wrestle a different play style out of it and i'm really happy with where it turned out um yeah. but i know if we had a chance i'm sure there's like some changes that we would have made in hindsight just uh, there are some things that make Plague Knight like a little bit more difficult to get into, and I totally get that. Yeah, it's yeah, it's sure. punishingly hard. <laughs> yeah, mostly that. I guess it's mostly that part. It's funny because in, in Plague Knight, you you go through the same st like core stage routes as Shovel Knight, and we make some changes and we add like coins and spots that really uh, that like test your mobility a little bit more, um, and that was all intentional. Like for me, and at least like as the developers and playing it it was really gratifying to just fly through a level in a different way. Whereas Shovel Knight has to like play by the rules. Plague Knight's like later losers and like <laughs> just go through everything and like not care. But only if you were like really confident and really paying attention. Um, and then he has these alternate legs as we called them where the, you find like a hidden coin in a wall and it unlocks a new path that we made entirely for Plague Knight. And that's always where you end up getting the, uh, the relic that you can trade in for the free sub weapon. But every time I see those, they're like way too hard. It's crazy. Like we really messed up. <laughs> like you, you go into like the Polar Night one, and you're like, oh cool, Polar Night. This is so fun, knocking snow on spikes. Yeah, this is fun. And then you go into the secret wall, and it's like ten moving platforms with spikes going through a serpentine <laughs> pattern. And you're like, oh my god, like what the hell? And so, um, I mean, I think that reflects our desire as a, a team to kind of like these were our moments where we could really put Plague's mobility through their paces. But it's like, oh man, that's crazy. And so for Spectre Knight, we tried to um, find more of a balance. And so since Spectre Knight, uh, for listeners and well, for everyone, I suppose, um, Spectre Knight is, instead of sailing through the air, instead of bouncing on enemies, Spectre Knight is more about collision in that Spectre Knight can climb walls, but only for a certain amount of height. And then he like falls off it. Oh, but cool. if you climb a wall and then jump to another wall, you continue climbing and you can keep resetting it and uh, oh, moving like space it. to space. So he can't jump very high by himself, but he can jump and climb up ledges and kind of get like a little bit higher than even Shovel Knight can. Oh, and so because of that design, we had to change the levels very drastically, like entirely. And so, um, <laughs> and so like that's what we set out to do. Uh, he also has another mechanic where if you jump into the air, um, and you're near an enemy, then a targeting reticle appears on the character. And it's either if you're below the character, the reticle goes upwards, like an upwards uh, arising slash kind of thing. And, and if it's above, then it goes downwards. And so if you press attack when you're below an enemy, you'll cut through them upwards. And if you're below, if you're above them, it'll cut downwards. 
And so this relative placement is used on a lot of gameplay objects as kind of like a puzzle element of lining up when you're going to strike, like not falling to the ground, or like climbing a wall, dash slashing, climbing another wall, dash slashing back, and all that. Um, and so that's like the core thrust of Specter Knight. If it sounds scary, it's not. It's a uh, like it's it not Plague awesome. Knight. I really don't think so. Um, would like oh, we uh, whereas Plague Knight was more about preparation. Like Plague Knight, you prepare what burst you want, you prepare what bomb you want. Um, and then, uh, it, like, you have to hold charge ahead of time and make sure you have the charge, make sure you know how your double jump's going to work. Specter Knight's a lot more reactionary and immediate. You can, like, intuit what's going to happen and react. You could, like, get knocked off a pit but still grab a wall and recover. You can, like, wall flailing randomly in, like, an act of desperation. You can attack through an enemy to kind of, like, recover. And so that was a big focus for us. That sounds oh my god that sounds so good <laughs> I, I hope i hope it plays as great as it sounds that's my hope <laughs> i'm sure it will i have no doubt <laughs> i'm pretty excited about it i think it'll be fun awesome. yeah definitely so uh, shovel knight specter of torment launches march 3rd on the nintendo switch Does yeah. nin did nintendo come over to you and say hey listen uh we really need something big for our launch we're a little worried that we might not have what it takes with uh with uh with, <laughs> This again, this is, a strange, <laughs> this is a strangely fictional, humble situation again. You know, like Reggie, I, I like Reggie your, calls you. I like your, view, I like oh, your no. candid view of like what it would be like. It's like, hey, look, like things are going real tough here. We need like we need, yeah. need Specter Knight here. It'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I mean it was something uh, like we. You mentioned you like contacted us last year or during August, and we're like, we can't talk Specter Knight. Ah, and then like hung up the phone in like a confusing. Like roar. Oh, it was um, it was way nicer than that. Okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, that was because like all of last year we were submerged completely working on this the Specter Knight campaign, and we decided like we don't want to take every month of the build to like a different convention. We're going to just like be offline for a year and kind of like figure this out because we're we're biting off a lot more than we previously had, and we want to make sure we're getting it like very right. Um, and so because of that, we were already in regular talks with Nintendo One for the Japanese release of Shovel Knight because that was published by Nintendo last summer in Japan. Um, and also the Shovel Knight Amiibo. And so at that point, I would say if Nintendo wanted to contact us, they uh, they were aware of like who they could contact if they had an opportunity. And so I think just one of those months, that's what happened. Um, we just heard about it and heard there would be a possibility if we had a game that could be repaired and all that. And like we were working on like wrapping up Spectre Night anyway. And so the idea of trying to focus that um, into an early release uh, was where we took it. That said, like we finished development on Spectre Night uh, February 18th, I think, is when like we wow. we stopped touching the gameplay code. And we're like, okay, everything's great, everything's great, everything's wow. great, everyone back away. And so the idea that we did that on February 18th and it came out March 3rd, is uh, that's, that's a very quick turnaround time. That would really, really only be possible if we were working with like working with Nintendo as we were. Yeah, that's uh, that's very short. I just in my mind, it's like, do you mind? Uh, do you think maybe down the road you could uh, put Shovel Knight over to the Switch? And then like a month later, they were like, we want it for launch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 
I mean, for for us, it's like, hey, like if we had the hardware, it's like, hey, here's like hardware for this thing or for this like new console. Our immediate thought while holding is like, can we get it on launch? Can we get the game on launch? Can we get the game on launch? Yeah. It's like, well, yeah. like we don't know when that is. Like, we'll, 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 we'll be there. We'll be there. It's like, it's, <laughs> we'll make it happen. It's yeah. like, wait, no, it was last week. It's like, okay, okay, well, time machine, like time machine, let's do it. Like, uh, we were very interested in making that happen, partially because, or entirely because. Um, we're working on these updates and they are free to like the existing version of Shovel Knight. Like if you back the game on Kickstarter for $10 and got the Steam key, then that version you're set, like you'll get all this Shovel Knight content. And um, we want to keep doing that and we want to like make that possible. But for Plague of Shadows, it was very challenging to get the word out about that. Um, like we posted it, like we did a, a simultaneous release on all these platforms on like on Sony platforms, on Microsoft, on Steam, on 3DS and Wii U. That's already like, that's a lot going on um, to get yeah. that content out. Um, and like, you know, we posted a Kickstarter update, we posted the website update, we like, you know, did regular design articles and things like that. And the um, there were people who played it. I'm like very thankful that people checked it out. But um, a lot of people didn't play it um, yeah. because they didn't know it was there, which is like totally fine. It's like, oh, a game that I bought a year ago has like a new character. What? <laughs> what? Who is this? Who's, like, yeah. who's calling me? Um, and so it's it was it was difficult to let the world know that there was an update here. Um, we we mentioned this previously, like in an article or something. But um, there's a lot of hooks to let people know about DLC content, and a lot of hooks to let people know about sales and like discounts on stores. But there are no hooks to let people know about updates in like any significant way, and so it's like a double it's like a double compounded problem where we're working on these updates and they're free and also no one knows about it. And so I'd be okay working on these con this content and giving away for free, but it's awful that we would work on it and no one cares. Like that's oh, yeah. like right. that's everyone's is having their time wasted. Um, and so for Spectre of Torment, we wanted to try and like. We wanted to try and fix that, and so we're doing that in a few ways with like how it's released and how we're like letting people know about it. I feel yeah, like everybody knows about Spectre of Torment. I feel like it's out there, so yeah, that's, I'm hoping I for you because so. I don't, I don't, I don't like hearing that. I don't like hearing that they weren't playing Plague. I feel like this one's gonna be real good, real. I mean, real well, fun. it's tough. Like if you're a uh, like we had trouble even getting Plague of Shadows reviewed on like a lot of sites. Um, wow. We d we did get reviewed on uh, like on on many, and and I remember. Like we were up there for like best expansion pack on a few sites, which is great. Like alongside like Heaven's Word for Final Fantasy 14 and things like that, which is like, that's great. Like I'm very thankful that uh, yeah. some sites would choose to cover us like that. But for a lot of others, it's like, it just wasn't a factor. It's like, oh, we're gonna review because you added like a green beak character to the game. Okay, like we don't, you know, just so you know, like we don't review Minecraft just when they add horses or like they add like a new version. Like no one like, no one obviously like reached out and like you know took a, a swing at us or anything like that. Yeah, but just from a like, oh, is this like, is this a game or is this just like a feature update? Like, is this really, is this really anything? And we want to make sure um, since for Spectre Night we tried to double our efforts from Plague Night. Sorry, uh, that we doubled our efforts from Plague Night. We wanted to make sure that we also doubled like the effort to like let people know about it. Yeah, that's it's crazy. Just... I see in my mind it's like you know. IGN's like, uh, hey, uh, we noticed you're doing a new update for Shovel Knight. We're wondering if we could review that and tell a bunch of people about it. <laughs> uh, we were never, uh, never so lucky. It seems um, oh, we man. do uh, like it. It is. I'm not saying it's like a wall or anything like that. We do yeah. have. We are able to like get the word out when like we bring the game to conventions. Like people are very receptive. Like it's been. Uh, 
it's great. Like people are willing to talk through us on it and like, you know, uh, work with us on features and things like that. But just in general, it's a little bit more challenging when it's just like the game still says Shovel Knight on the store. It's still the same price. And like, you're telling me there's like five more hours of content in there now, but like, I can't see it because like, I don't know it's there. Right. Right. What, uh, who decided, I mean, the industry itself seems to be making this, uh, I don't want to say terrible shift, but this shift to digital only content. exciting shift, <laughs> exciting oh. shift, this exciting shift to to no longer owning physical things that I can rub on my skin. So who's uh... a <laughs> what? <laughs> Whose decision? I thought I knew where to... the question was going, but I lost it. No, who's a uh... everybody? Knows. Why why uh, why is shovel Knight physical as well as digital? Why not? Because I'm sure it must be easier and cheaper just to throw it on a server and say go ahead and download it. You know what I mean? It is definitely much, much easier to deliver digitally than it is to round up retail. Um, I mean, for us, um, I think it's it's always worthwhile. Like, we always want to do it because, A, like, a lot of the games that, like, we have a lot of memories and uh, fond memories of, like, being able, like, getting the game as a gift or getting a game, like, for a friend or seeing a game on a shelf and deciding, like, now's the time. I'm going to, like, take a look. I'm going to, like, give it a look. And so we wanted to have the game exist in that space for somebody that would appreciate it being there, uh, whether it's a physical collector, like I see these shelves behind you and it seems like, it seems like, yeah, if you guys had the option for a digital or a physical version for a game you cared about, like you would consider a physical version. And so we wanted that to be an option. Um, it's a huge lead time. And for us, like, since we spend so long working on the game up to the wire, it's a little difficult for us to uh, do them hand in hand. Like, like I said, Spectre Night wouldn't be, if we finished February 18th, it can't be on the store shelves March 3rd. It's like maybe in September, like we'll see. Wow. Um, and so uh, trying to balance those is difficult. Uh, we would like to do, like for instance, a all-in-one Shovel Knight and all the campaigns re-release on, yeah. like, on all of, like the leading platforms to try and, you know, if you're interested in having all the things on one disc and like we're not updating that version, it's done, it's done, it's done, I promise, then like that's something we'd love to look into. Um, yeah, that's like uh, in addition to like all the nice things like we uh, on Shovel Knight's physical release, we put a lot of effort into making the instruction manual as yeah. as nice as it could be. And so now when you pick up Shovel Knight on Wii U or PS4, it has a heft to it. Like that's like 46 pages of manual, like weighing it down. Um, and so it's nice, uh, like just trying to make a real physical thing that exists in the real world is, is worth it in and of itself. That's awesome. Agreed. Uh, Ian, I, I just realized we've kept you double the time that I, uh, I told Shannon we would, so I apologize oh, for that. It's all good. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, I mean, if I'm not doing this, I'm bug fixing and paperworking, so uh, it's, I guess it's, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> for anybody who is listening, uh, Shovel Knight comes, Shovel Knight Spectre of Torment comes out March 3rd on the Nintendo Switch. And I, I feel confident saying that there won't be any other game that is more talked about on Switch launch day than Shovel Knight. And if there is, you need to spread the word more. Um, so right. get out there, tweet <laughs> we, it, we've Facebook failed. it, tell your friends. Shovel That'll Knight be a Herculean task. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what other game you're you're referring to, even possibly. Um, but I'm excited to play that one. So it's going to be tough because I'll be on that one. Yeah, um, awesome. Wait, I need to ask though. What is your? Is there a current game of the month club going on this month? Yeah. So right, we just finished Paper Mario: Thousand Year Door uh, for February, and Brad? in March we are playing Beyond Oasis on the Sega Genesis. Oh my God! Really? All yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of 
That was one of the games when uh, I moved into my, uh, like we all moved into the same dorm in college and we were all studying, making the video games and all that. During the first month we played, uh, we played Secret of Mana because one of our friends never played it. It turns out it all goes full circle. And then the next thing we played was Beyond Oasis just because that was one. I think I played that on the Sega channel way back when. Um, and so like I never beat it, but I always remember like the playing the first area over and over and over again And so I just really <laughs> wanted to see it through, uh, but that's really cool. That's great <laughs> Well, if awesome. you're not busy for the rest of the month, why don't you get a hold of it throw it in play along? <laughs> I'm sure you have much to do. Yeah. It's time for adventure. Yeah, <laughs> that's right um, So anybody who wants to follow Yacht Club Games or Shovel Knight or yourself uh, Why don't you go ahead and let us know uh, all your avenues Twitter Facebook uh, oh yeah, uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at Yacht Club Games. We exist on the internet in a web browser at www.yachtclubgames.com. And I don't know our Facebook, like I don't know how Facebook works, but I assume <laughs> using the previous two clues, you could piece it together. You'll uh, find. Yeah. I honestly don't know. I don't know how Facebook works. Uh, under um, Facebook, they're, yeah. they're found under Dancing Fish. it was a weird choice and we haven't adjusted it but it's been working out so we can't change it now (laughs) are you still uh the social media manager i know at one point you were in charge of the twitter correct i'm still yeah full-time in charge of the twitter stuff um but clearly not in charge of facebook (laughs) (laughs) somebody else somebody else or if i did i really dropped the ball hard like three years ago and that and that place is like a tumbleweed ghost town going on Stuff. <laughs> Nothing but specters. <laughs> oh, perfect. We were waiting so long just just yeah. for this moment. For a single <laughs> pun. Yeah, that's right. All right. That's uh I think that's everything. Thanks a lot, man. Right. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having Pleasure. me. Yeah. You guys are amazing. Your passion throws throws uh sorry, shows through in your games, and we can't wait to see what else is coming from Yacht Club. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so okay. much. I, I hope we can continue to entertain with such the same level of energy and passion. <laughs> <laughs>